Hey, good morning, Michael Memorial. How are you? You're looking good. Lots of new faces. Lots of old faces. Chuck Lopez, you know I'm talking to you. Man, it's been good this morning. Thank you so much for for the music and for the worship, Craig and, and Mickey and the choir. I'm, I'm afraid it's all downhill from here. So, and JJ and Melanie, thank you guys so much. What a what a tremendous blessing. We've we've prayed for you and 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 grieved with you. And uh, I am I am so confident that God is going to use your story and use Cooper's story in this book. We, we won't even know until we get to heaven how many lives have been changed because of uh, what, what your family has gone through. So thank you for sharing and thank you for being here. It's a privilege for me to be here with you today. Tony, thank you, my friend. Jet lag, really? <laughs> Jet lag. Well, that explains it then. Some of you guys that are new here, you, you should know that when, when Tony first... We came to pastor here. I mean, it was good. He, he, I'm sure it's still good, but he, but he, he preached and preached and preached and preached and, <laughs> and preached some more. And, and it was, it was good stuff. It was like drinking from a fire hydrant. I mean, we just got, you know, but it, it, it really, it, it, it got rough there for a while. I mean, we, we, we had Sunday school teachers who were gathering dust and just, uh, got so bad at one point that Lisa and I had to, uh, we had to stage an intervention. We really did. And, and we met with him in his office and said, Tony, we love you. And, but listen, we've got people feel, uh, losing the feeling in their legs and, and, and they're falling out. And that you, this is not a Pentecostal church and they're falling out in the aisles and we've got some issues here. And so uh, it, he, it got a little bit better. So I, I remember the first time. I think the first time that I spoke for you, Tony was in India and, and I, I, and I said to the people, you know, I've got some good news and bad news for you today. The, the bad news is that brother Tony's not here. And so you're not going to get to hear from him today, but the good news is you're going to get to meet your Sunday school teacher for the first time in a long time. And, and so, and that was about the same reaction that I got then too. It was a, it, it was it was a good thing, man. I love this church and I love you guys so much. I have been looking so forward to coming here and being a part of this with you today. Uh, I've, I've brought my kids with me. Shannon wasn't able to come. She sends her love. And and uh, Tony shared a little bit with you about what's going on in San Antonio. By the way, San Antonio, the home of the five time NBA champion Spurs. Don't forget that. Right. I think I had a lot to do with that. Um, I was rooting them on. The whole way. But God is just doing great things at Alamo Community Church in spite of me. And and he just seems to bring families. And uh, we know that you have been praying for us. Keep, continue to pray for us. We have uh, we just, again, turned four years old and, and we've purchased land and we have the opportunity to build a building hopefully soon. And right now we're meeting at the Hilton Hotel and uh, it, it's a uh, it's great digs, but it's uh, it's getting old. We we back our trailer up every morning at about seven thirty, every Sunday morning at seven thirty, and and load all of our stuff and set everything up. And then after the service, we pack it all up, and we've done that for four years. And and uh, it's uh, it, it makes you miss having an office. It makes you miss having just some place that you can go. But God is doing great things in our city. 
Uh, I love San Antonio. It's such a, such a remarkable place. It's the seventh largest city in the country. And the, uh, the zip code that we have planted, this church, is one of the fastest growing zip codes in the nation. And, in fact, we just got some statistics the other day that our, our neighborhood, really our area on northwest San Antonio, it's called Alamo Ranch. And within 10 years, it's projected that Alamo Ranch area will be the size of Corpus Christi, Texas, which is about 400,000 people just on our quadrant of the city. And there's very, very few churches in that area. And so you can continue to pray for us and pray for Alamo Community Church. As we pray for Michael Memorial, we, we have a, a strong connection and, and we love this place. When I was uh, driving in this week on Friday, I don't know if you guys noticed, but it rained a little bit on, on this week. And so I left, I left San Antonio at about 5 a.m. and it was raining and and I got to Houston and it was raining and I got to Beaumont and it was raining. And then I got to the Louisiana line and it was like a typhoon. And I followed that all the way. And it was it was a storm. And it really was, uh, you know, it was it was it was harrowing. But if anybody knows about rain and, and storms and wind, it's the people of the Gulf Coast. Now, I only lived here three years, but I want you to know that I have have embraced the Gulf Coast that it, to the to the point where I've become very defensive. Like, you know, anytime you talk about. Hurricane Katrina, for example, and you're not from here. You know, I always can tell people will say, well, you know, you, you were there. And were you there when the storm hit New Orleans? And I'm like, oh, heck no, the storm didn't hit New Orleans. Let, let me tell you about this. And I give you a little bit of history. <laughs> and and let's, let's talk about this. And I, you know, and I'm thinking, I'm not even from there, but I'm really just kind of, you know, bowed up about that. And, you know, but there, there's, there's something about, uh, about storms in your life. You know, when it's one thing. To, to witness it and to be part of it and to see from afar, it's completely different when you live it. It's one thing to, to witness the loss of a, of a child. It's completely different when you, when you, when you live it. I know that, that tonight you guys are going to your community groups or your, your connect groups and for the past few weeks in, in our community group, we've been talking about this idea of, of, of faith and having faith in the hard times and having faith when, you know, and we talked about Lazarus and, 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 and the Apostle Paul when, when he's, you know, praying for God to take his thorn away. And, and John the Baptist when he's sitting in a prison cell and saying, hey, are you, are you really the guy because I'm about to lose my head here? And, and, and you know, when it's, for me, this may not be true for you, but for me, when, when, when somebody else is going through something, when somebody is struggling, when they're having a difficult time, when the storms of life kind of envelop them, it's really easy for me to have faith for you. It's really easy for me to, to encourage you or to offer you a word of hope or some scripture. It's easy for me to, 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 uh, to believe that God is going to do a miracle in your life. It really is. And genuinely believe it. Not, I mean, I genuinely believe that God is going to do something for you. When it's me going through it, I have doubt, right? I, the, my faith can just kind of kind of subsides a little bit. But when you're going through something, I have faith. When I'm going through something, not so much. And Jesus said at one time that, that even a little bit of faith could move mountains. But, but sometimes in my life, this may not be true of you, but sometimes in my life, the mountains of life have a tendency to move my faith. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1 gives out what I think is the best definition of the word faith. And it says that faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Faith is sure and it's certain. 
And I have no problem with sure and certain faith when when life is going on as it should, when when life is sailing along and everything's good, when the sea is calm, when everybody's happy, when everyone's healthy, when there's plenty of money in the bank. I have no problem with a sure and certain faith in these times. But when the storms come, when the difficulties come, when the struggles come and the trials come, then my faith is kind of wavering. It's not not. Always so rock solid. There's a guy in the Bible, and I love this because it's kind of a, a, a picture of who I am. He comes to Jesus one day and he asks for, for, a, for a miracle. And Jesus says, do you believe? And he says, I do believe. Help me with my unbelief. And I think, that's me, God. I believe you can do it. But sometimes, not so much when Jesus left this earth. One of the, the, the most peculiar scriptures to me in all of scriptures. Jesus is getting ready to leave after, after he's risen from the dead. And he's there and the disciples are there on the mountain with him. And the Bible says that they worshipped, but some doubted. Well, how is that possible? These guys that walked with him, these guys that lived with him. And the truth is that sometimes when we run into storms and we have difficulties in our life that we believe, but God, you've got to help me with my unbelief. And if this has ever been a problem for you or something that you've experienced in your life, you've got to know that you're not alone because you can look through all throughout Scripture and you find this time after time after time after again. In fact, the guys that we're going to look at this morning, the story that we're going to look at this morning is about the people who walked with Jesus, who knew him the best on this on this earth while he was here. You know, it's a moment where they lost their nerve, where they where they lost their faith. And so if you have your Bibles with you this morning, I want you to look with me in the Gospel of Mark. Mark chapter four. Mark is in the New Testament. It's the second book in Matthew and then Mark chapter four. And while you're finding your place, let me just kind of give you the context of what's going on in this chapter. Jesus had been teaching all day and he, as was prone to happen as he was teaching, the crowds kind of grew because people wanted to see and wanted to hear. And as the crowds grew, Jesus was backed up onto the shoreline of this body of water known as the Sea of Galilee. And so as he was being forced closer and closer to the water, he decided that he would get into the boat and he sat down in the boat and he began to teach. And after he had finished teaching, he said to his disciples, Let's let's get in the boat and leave here and we're going to go to the other side. And so this this boat that that Jesus had been sitting in this this boat that had been his pulpit was about to become his sermon illustration. And so if you would follow along with me in Mark chapter four, the verses will be up on the screen, beginning in verse number thirty five. And we're going to read this passage of scripture and then we'll come back and break it down a little bit and talk about it some more. Verse 35 says, as evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. And so they took Jesus in the boat and started out, leaving the crowds behind, although other boats followed. But soon a fierce storm came up. High waves were breaking into the boat and it began to fill with water. And Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. The disciples woke him up shouting, teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? And when Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, silence, be still. And suddenly the wind stopped and there was a great calm. And then he asked them, why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? Now, I want you to underline that in your Bible or in your thinking, that question, because we're going to come back and talk about that a little bit later. Why are you so afraid? And verse 41 says the disciples were absolutely terrified. And who is this man? They asked each other that even the winds and the waves obey him. How many of you are are boat people? How many of you are boat people? Raise your, I mean, this is the place for boat people, right? There's San Antonio. There's 
There's like one big lake and I could throw a sponge in it and dry up all the water. It's just really, there's not anything there. How many of you are boat people? Go ahead and raise your hands. It's participatory today. How many of you have ever been out on the boat and you thought, and it began, you know, maybe it began to sink that this was the end. Anybody had one of those experiences that this, you know, storms came, something happened to the boat? Yeah, a few of you. I've never been out on a boat that I thought was going to be uh, was going to sink. But I have been on a plane a time or two where where I thought, you know what, Donnie, this has been a good run, but it's coming to an end here. And, the, you know, the turbulence had gotten gotten so bad. A couple of times I really thought that I was going to die. One had to do with the turbulence. The other one had to do with Steve Butler. And so. <laughs> when Steve and Tony and I and, and a, group, a few others were on our way to Brazil, y'all know that I like like Skittles, right? And I like candy. And, and so. We were sitting there. Tony was on one side of the aisle and I was on the other side and Steve was on the on the window seat. And and Steve always carries candy. And so he had some candy with him. And so he gives me a pack and his pack of Skittles. And I said, great. And then he looked at Tony and he said, would you like a pack of Skittles? And Tony's across from me on the other side of the aisle. And so Tony said, yes. And so Steve, for whatever reason, he takes his arm like this and he kind of throws it like that, like he's got a Nemo flipper or something. And he just kind of and he just kind of flings it like that. And when he does, it passes by me and it and it hits the flight attendant on a place that shouldn't have been hit. And the candy falls to the ground. And she looks at me. And in the most perfect English that I've ever heard any Brazilian speak, she said, may I help you? And so my mouth is open and I'm trying to explain that this wasn't me, that it was a bag of candy that flew from the other side. And so I look at Steve, who is looking out of the window at something, eh, just like this. And I don't know. And then I look over at Tony and he's reading his Bible. And I'm thinking, you're, you're not even reading that because it's upside down. And, and, just, and she just kind of stared at me. And I really, really thought that that was going to be the end that day. I thought I was going to die. Another time, Shannon and I were flying to Seattle to go back to see her her family. And and this really was the, the pilot came over the the intercom and said, hey, I think we're going to hit some turbulence. And the flight attendant began to uh, offer the service and, and and serve, you know, the Cokes and the peanuts and all of those different things. And I don't know how long this flight attendant had been working for the airline. I don't really know how old she was, but she could have dated one of the Wright brothers. I mean, this woman was. She'd been around, right? She, she's been there a long time. Like, uh, you know, had a patch on it that said Red Baron on it. Just all, all kind of things. She's been there a long time. And so the pilot comes on and says, you know, hey, we're getting ready to hit some turbulence. And sure enough, we hit some really, really bad turbulence. And so this flight attendant who was right beside of me, she locked up her cart because it got really rocky in there. She locked up her cart and sat down on my lap. This is a true story. And I just, I'm just sitting there and I'm thinking, huh. And so I tried to diffuse the tension a little bit. And so I just kind of looked at her and I said, well, what would you like for Christmas this year, little girl? And, and she didn't laugh. And I kept thinking in my mind, I'm like, I bet this is not happening in first class. This is what happens when you buy a coach ticket. And so sure enough, the, the turbulence kind of goes and she really she never said a word. And and she she stands up and she unlocks the cart and she goes about her business. And I thought this is the strangest flight I've ever been on. A few minutes later, a little while later, she comes back and she apologizes to me. And she said, I really am sorry, sir. 
this is the first time this has ever happened to me. And I said, well, that makes two of us then because <laughs> this has never happened. But she, you could see that this lady who had been flying for a long time was definitely scared. She thought she was going to die. She thought something was going to happen. And when I looked at her, I thought I was going to die. I'm like, if she's scared and she was here with the invention of the airplane, then I should be, I should be scared. And so in this story, the disciples look at Jesus and the storms come up and they're scared. They, they begin, they, you know, they, they begin to, their life begins to run through their mind and things begin to flash. They're scared. They think that they're going to die. And, you know, and they begin to have things go through their mind like, you know, that it does at those moments. Like, I'm not going to say goodbye to my mom or I'm not going to be able to see my kids grow up or or did I leave the garage door open or whatever people think of, you know, in those moments. Now, you need to know that these guys were not afraid of storms. In fact, they were very used to storms. They storms were not something new to them in their lives. They had endured this a lot. In fact, most of the disciples that Jesus called were fishermen. They were fishermen and all of the disciples, with the exception of Judas, were from this area known as the Galilee area around this the Sea of Galilee. The Sea of Galilee is actually a freshwater lake. It sits some 680 feet below sea level. It's about 13 miles long and about eight miles wide. And one of the, the very interesting things, if maybe some of you have been there about the Sea of Galilee, is that on a clear day, you can stand anywhere on the lake and you can see to the other side. You can stand on any part of the seashore and you can see the other side of the lake. And so when Jesus says to these disciples, let's go to the other side of the lake, there was no fear. There was no trepidation. There wasn't any kind of thing that was going to bother them because they could see the destination. They knew what was coming. But what was interesting and what is to this day interesting about the Sea of Galilee, because it sits so far below sea level because of the hills and the mountains that surround it. When the winds come into the east, come in from the east Storms begin to rage, violent storms, seemingly out of nowhere. They come from nowhere. And these disciples were accustomed to this because they were from there, because they had lived this, because they they fished this their entire lives. But there was something different about this storm. This storm was not ordinary. There was something different. This one caused them to fear for their lives. And isn't that how life is sometimes? Everything's good. Everything's normal. Everything's kind of sailing along as it should. And then out of nowhere, a storm hits. Something happens. You go into work like you do, go into work like you do every morning. But something's different in the office this time. And you go and you sit down at your desk and somebody comes and says, hey, did you hear the company's been bought out? They're going to downsize. Layoffs are coming. Something's changing. You go to the doctor. For a routine checkup. And something doesn't look right. And he says, I want to run some more tests. And he comes back and he says, there's a problem. And everything changes. Seemingly out of nowhere. Your kid has been doing so good in school. And, and, and he's making progress. And he's running with the right crowds. And then seemingly out of nowhere, his personality changes. And his grades decline. And everything changes. What happened? Everything was calm. Everything was sailing along as it should. And then seemingly out of nowhere, a storm hits and we find ourselves holding on for dear life. And and when we're in the middle of a storm, it really doesn't matter what else is going on around us. It doesn't matter what else is good in our life because the focus becomes the storm. 
Many of you right now, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Look, I've been, a long, I've been in church a long, long time, and I know church people. And, and church people are great at putting on masks. Church people are great at hiding the storms of life. You may look calm and collected on the outside, but inside a storm is raging. Behind the smile, you're in the middle of a storm, and, and, and nobody even knows it. People look at you and say, you know what, their life is just so good. I, I look at them and I think, wow, they've got it all together. Everything looks good. And look at the house they live in. They've got to be so happy. And they don't even know that you may be three payments behind in your home and you live in fear that you're going you're gonna to lose it every day. They look at your marriage and they think, you know what, he, just, he loves her and she loves him and everything looks good. And, and, and they don't know that you're, you're, you're faking it on the outside, but you're barely making it on the inside. They don't know that you live in fear. That they, don't, they don't know that you cry yourself to sleep at night. They don't know all of these things that you feel alone and you feel isolated and that nobody cares. And they don't know that you, that, that, that you, the pressure that you're under and all of these different things in life. You're in a storm. and Nobody even knows it. You're in a storm that you didn't see coming. Hit you from out of the blue. The old adage is that, that, that life is full of storms. You, you've either just come out of one or you're currently in one or you're heading into one. And that's just the way that life seems to be sometimes. This morning, I want to I give you from this story, from this passage of Scripture, I want to give you a couple of thoughts. And maybe it will help you when you face the storms of life. And so if you take notes, let me give you just the first one. Because storms are going to come your way. It's just, a, it's just a fact of life. When storms come, you have to know that you are in the storm with His presence. You may not feel it. You may not believe it. You may not recognize it right away. But you are in the storm with His presence. Go back and look at verse 37 and 38 again. The Bible says, But soon a fierce storm came up. High waves were breaking into the boat and it began to fill with water. And verse 38 says, Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. I love this. I love this. Storms raging. Water filling the boat. Disciples going crazy. And Jesus back in the back sawing logs. Nothing bothering him. When Shannon and I were, um, literally, we, we were just married. Been married about three weeks. Got married in December and we decided that we would uh, take a road trip to Myrtle Beach, South Carolina for, for New Year's. And so we lived in East Tennessee at the time. And so in order to get to Myrtle Beach, you had to go through North Carolina and South Carolina. And so you had to go over the mountains of North Carolina. And so Shannon has, some of you know this, that she, she sleeps anywhere. I mean, just she sleeps all the time. Any mode of transportation. Some of you travel with any mode of transportation. It's a plane, train, car. Bicycle, water buffalo. It doesn't matter. She's going to sleep. If she's on the back of it, it's rocking. She's asleep. And so about 15 minutes after we left Tennessee, she fell asleep. And so we get into North Carolina and we start climbing Saluda Mountain. And we get on the top of the mountain and it begins to snow. And in about 15 minutes, we're engulfed in a blizzard. I'm this the worst snowstorm I've ever been. And I'm, I'm on top of this mountain and I'm kind of the lead car. And there's nowhere to go. I either go... I can't go backwards, and so I have to go forwards, and there's no, there's no tracks, and so I'm the lead dog here, and Shannon's asleep over there, and so I'm like, all right, so here's what we do. And so we're just going to white-knuckle it all the way down this mountain. And so after about an hour of fighting this, this mountain and, and praying and hoping that, you know, I'm going to make it, 
we get to the bottom and we cross over into the South Carolina. And so I pull into the rest area so that I could change my pants. And so we <laughs> and about that time, about that time, my beautiful bride wakes up and she says, well, look how pretty the snow is. And I wanted to smack her. And I know I couldn't, but I wanted to. And I thought, you know what? We've been married three weeks. We're not even going to make it to our month anniversary because I'm going to kill you here. <laughs> Jesus was asleep in the back of the boat. Storms raging all around. And, and he's there asleep at the back of the boat with his head on the cushions. And the disciples woke him up shouting and screaming, Teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? You ever had one of those conversations with God? God, don't you care what I'm going through? Don't you see? Where are you, Lord, when I need you? I gave my life to you, and ever since, it's been trouble after trouble after trouble and storm. Where are you, God? Don't you care? And, and, when we, and we think that, God, that if God were really with us, that we wouldn't be in this storm. That if God were really with, with us, that life wouldn't be so difficult and that life wouldn't be so hard. If God were really with us, that things wouldn't be going from bad to worse. But as Melanie already mentioned, Jesus tells us that in this world, you're going to have trouble. But take heart. I've overcome the world, Jesus said. He never promised us, listen to me, a storm-free life. In fact, the reality of the Christian life is oftentimes the opposite of that, opposite of that. And to think that because I have given my life to Jesus Christ, there will be no more problems is a distortion of the message of the gospel. Having Jesus in the, mo- in the boat doesn't mean that the storms of life will never rock you. Having Jesus in the boat means that the storms of life will never sink you. And there is a difference. God is for you. He is with you and nothing can separate you from the love of God. Nothing can remove you from his presence. Never let the presence of a storm make you doubt the presence of your God. He's here. The psalmist said, Psalm 46, 1, he is my refuge. He is my strength. He is my ever-present help in times of trouble. In Psalm 23, a passage that we know so well, Psalms 23, 4 says, Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. Why? For you, God, are with me. Hebrews 13, 5, God has said, Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. My help comes from the Lord, the psalmist says. I'll lift my eyes up to the mountains. Where does my help come from? It comes from God. My help comes from the Lord, the maker of the heavens and the earth. Jesus is with you in the boat. And that is a game changer. The storms may rock you. The winds may blow you. The waves may crash all around you. But they will never, they will never sink you. Because he is with you. You're in a storm, but you're in it with him. Secondly. When storms come your way, you need to know that you are the storm for his purpose. And that's difficult. That's a hard one to grasp. Go back and look at verse 36 of this passage because it's easy to skip over this. This is one of my favorite parts of this passage. Verse 36 says, as evening came, Jesus said. Who said? Who was it? Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. It was the idea of Jesus. Now, check this out. 
The trip was his idea. And being the son of God, God in the flesh, he certainly knew that a storm was coming. The disciples were in the storm, not because they were out of the will of God. They were in the storm because they were following the direction of Jesus. They were in the storm because they were in the will of God. Now, listen, I don't know if God caused this storm to happen or if he allowed this storm to happen. I don't know. It would take far greater theological minds than mine to figure that out. I don't know if he caused it or he allowed it. I don't know if he caused the storm that you're in to happen or if he's allowed this storm to happen. But here's what I know. He will use your storm to do something powerful in your life. He will use your storm to change you. He'll use your storm to teach you. He'll use your storm to grow you, to mature you. I can't tell you if he caused it or if he allowed it, but he will always, always use it. James chapter 1 The Bible says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters. Whenever you face trials of many kinds. That's a hard verse. That doesn't make sense. Consider it joy. Count yourself lucky. Be blessed when you face trials and difficulties. Tonight, when many of you go to your connect groups, You'll probably do what, what often happens in my, in my community groups in that, that you'll go through your Bible study, study and sometime there will be a, a point in that study that, that you have a time of prayer requests and take prayer requests and perhaps praises. You know, we do this at mine, you know, usually it's at the end and we'll take some time and, and have prayer requests and praises. And you know what never, ever, ever, ever happens? No one ever says, Donnie, can I just share? I have a, I have a praise that I need to share. I'd like to share this praise. My life is full of crap. (laughs) Nobody says that. Can I say that in this church? (laughs) You can say that in a community church. I don't know if you can say that. (laughs) Nobody ever says that. Nobody says life is hard. Life is difficult. I'm going through a lot. I don't know what I'm going to do. Nobody ever says, praise the Lord. And James says, count it pure joy. When you face trials of many kinds, here's why. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance and let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete. And here it is, lacking nothing. James says to rejoice when we find ourselves in the middle of the storm, because when we do, we know that God is testing us in order to grow us, in order to change us, in order to mature us. Many of you in this room are teachers and you know that a good teacher will test their students to make sure that they are learning the material, to make sure that they are learning the lessons. A good teacher will test their students in order to pass them. A good teacher will test their students in order to promote them to the next level. There's no success in a student failing. There's no there's no win in a student staying at the same level. There's no victory in somebody being held back. A good teacher helps their students to grow. And to learn and to mature. God will test our faith so that we can be mature and complete. Not lacking anything. There's a purpose for this storm. Some of you right now, you're in the middle of the storm. And God wants to do something in your life. He wants to do something in you and through you. He has a purpose in your storm. He didn't say to the disciples, let's get into the boat and go out to the middle of the lake. He said, get into the boat. We're going to the other side. And for many of you, where you are right now and where God ultimately wants you to be may be found in the storm 
that you have yet to go through. Can I say that again? Where you are right now and where God ultimately wants to take you may be found in the storm that you have yet to endure. You're in the storm for a purpose. Why? Because God is going to do something in you that He could not do any other way. Maybe you can relate to what the disciples said that night. They said, teacher, don't you care? We're going to drown. (laughs) Don't you care? God, don't you even care? I mean, we're in real trouble here and you're not helping. Maybe there are those of you who have prayed and you've prayed and you've prayed and you're thinking, God, how hard is it for you to do this? You've created the universe. You hold the world in your hands. Surely you could do this. You've done some big things. All I'm asking for is this. And where are you? Why are you really there, God? Are you really able? And if you are really able, then why don't you? If you can and you won't, are you a good God? Are you just a crutch that I've built up in my mind? God, who are you and where are you and why? And we want him to to remove us from this storm. We want him to take us out of this storm and take our storm away. And God says, look, I'm not going to take you out of it. I'm going to bring you through it to the other side. And we want God to do a, a removing job in our lives, but he's trying to improve us. He's trying to mature us and he wants to do an improving job in storms. Sometimes he, we have to learn something. Maybe he wants to improve something in us that he couldn't do any other way. Go back. I want you to look at the miracle one more time. Because the disciples are like, don't you care that we're going to drown? We're going to die out here, don't you? Don't you even care? Our world is falling apart. In verse 39, it says, when Jesus woke up, he rebuked the winds and he said to the waves, silence, be still. And suddenly the wind stopped and there was a great calm. And in verse 40 says, then he asked them, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? I want you to think about the disciples. They, in this moment, they were facing one of the greatest fears, one of the greatest fears that any of us have, this fear of death. That we don't want to die. They were afraid of the winds and they were afraid of the waves and, and, and the storms and they were afraid to die. And they said, and Jesus says, why are you so afraid? Don't you have faith? Faith is being sure and, and, and faith is being certain. But, and while the storm was raging, the disciples were not sure or certain about anything, but they were going to drown. But look what happens in verse 41. Jesus calms the sea. This is important because this happens after the miracle. Jesus calms the sea. Everything's calm. Everything's good now. Everything's right. The wind has died down. The the water is not rising anymore. Everything's good. And in verse 41, it says the disciples were absolutely terrified. Why are they afraid now? Why now? Everything's good now. The winds are calm. The boat stopped rocking. Why are they terrified? And they said, who is this man that even the winds and the waves... Obey him. You see, the fear of the storm had been replaced by the fear of the Lord in this moment. The fear of what might happen to them was changed into this holy and reverential, all-filled fear of the Lord God. There was something that they needed to learn that day. And the only way that they could, could fully understand it and recognize it completely was to be in the presence of Him in the storm and understand His purpose for their lives while they're in the storm. And they witnessed His power while they were there. Their faith that day was transferred from the boat to the one who was in the boat. Their faith that was no longer and their life was no longer dependent upon the sea, but the one who controlled the winds 
in the waves. And you, under, you have to understand that if you continue reading in Mark chapter 5 and you continue reading in Mark's gospel, that they got to see firsthand the power of Jesus, not only that day when he calmed the sea, but after they got to the other side of the lake, the Bible says that they, they immediately meet a man who was possessed with demons and, and they got to see Jesus heal this man and be in his right mind. He was a danger to himself and to his community, but God healed him. He, you go on and he heals a woman who's been sick for 12 years and he heals her. Just by her reaching out and touching the hem of his garment, he heals her. He goes on to the home of Jairus and, and, and raises a little girl from the dead. The Bible says that, that he fed 5,000 plus people with a little boy's lunch. He walked on water. He, 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 the deaf heard, the mute spoke, the blind saw, the lame walked. And these disciples lived this life with him and they experienced all of this. They experienced the very character and the nature of Jesus Christ. They walked with him. They learned from him. He grew them. He matured them. And later on, they were with him when he was in the garden and he was arrested. They beheld and watched him be crucified on the cross. They saw him after he had raised himself from the dead. And before he left this earth, he called them together one last time and he gave them an assignment. And he said, look, you're going to do far greater things than I have ever done on this earth. And, and, he, and he gave them this, this mandate to go out and to make disciples. And that's exactly what they did. And the Bible says that these men who were afraid of dying turned the world upside down. Why? Because their fear had been transformed into faith. God did so much in them that these very guys who were afraid to die that day in the boat, that ten of them ultimately laid down their lives for the cause of Christ. These guys who were afraid to die that day gave their lives willingly for the sake of the cause. Not only did they face their greatest fear, but they surrendered willingly to death, saying, I would never deny the one who gave it all for me. God did more than just a miracle that day in calming the storm. He calmed their hearts. He calmed their spirits. He calmed their lives. He calmed their souls. They were in the boat and in that storm with his presence. And they were in the boat for his purpose. And they witnessed his power. And there are those of you this morning that God is going to speak to your storm. I believe that. He's going to speak to you. He's going to calm your storm. He's going to speak to you. Whatever it is, He's going to heal that loved one. He may restore your marriage. He's going to provide miraculously for you some financial way. He's going to answer your prayer that you've been praying for so long. He's going to say to your storm, be still and it will. But there's others in here this morning that your storm's going to continue to rage. The waves are going to continue to crash all around you. The wind's going to keep blowing. Life's still going to be a struggle. It's going to be hard. It's going to be difficult. It's going to be hard to see the other side. And he's going to speak to your heart and he's going to speak to your spirit and he's going to say, be still. And it will. And both are miracles. And sometimes I believe that the miracle is greater when he speaks to our lives and we have peace when all hell is breaking loose around us. Be still. 
and know that he is God. Be still and know that I have never left you. I have never forsaken you. Be still and know that I'm with you in this storm. Be still. See, the truth is things don't always work out the way that we want them to. Or the way that we had planned or the way that we we think they ought to. Sometimes there are storms. We don't even see them coming. Sometimes there are storms that we've created on our own because of sin or because of way, uh, poor decisions. But sometimes they just come out of nowhere and we, we have to endure them. We get hit with some form of pain out of nowhere, leaving us feeling desperate and helpless and hopeless. And that's just the way life is sometimes. And it makes us wonder how God can, can allow these things to happen. How God can just stand by and watch us. Where is God when it really hurts? And the truth is that He's closer to us than we know. See, it's when we're in those situations where everything in life seems to be falling apart, where that God gets an opportunity to remind us how much He really loves us, how close He really is to us. It's in the storm that we feel His presence. It's in the storm that we understand His purpose for our life. It's in the storm that we witness the power of God. It's in the storm that we grow. It's in the storm that our faith is matured. It's in the storm that He reminds us of how much He loves us. It's in the storm that we understand that our hope is not in a boat, but our hope is anchored in the Lord. And that changes everything. Would you stand with me, please, this morning? With your heads bowed and your eyes closed this morning, maybe you find yourself in the middle of a storm today. And it came out of nowhere. Everything was going along fine. And then suddenly the waves are crashing in all around you. and, And you're afraid. You don't know what to do. You don't know where to turn. I want you to know you're not alone. And if that's where you find yourself today, I I want to pray for you. Pray especially for you. And in just a moment, we're going to sing a song. A song of affirmation, a song of, uh, of, of faith and belief. And while we're singing that song, I want you to know that your pastors are going to be here at the front. Waiting to pray with you, to talk with you, to listen. I know that they would love to do that. Sometimes in a setting like this, especially when you, when you pastor a church like I do, it's, it, it can be awkward, maybe even uncomfortable, but I want you to know that there is power in prayer, that your, this church loves you, that your pastors love you. And that the Bible says that when two agree together in prayer, that God hears those prayers and He acts on those prayers. And in just a moment, I'm going to pray for us all. And I just want you to know that this altar is open. If you need someone to pray with you individually, that they stand ready to do that. Let me pray for us this morning. Father, we pray that in your presence today, that you would do a healing work this morning. Especially, God, for those who find themselves in the storm and enduring the storm, maybe even a more severe storm than than we've ever talked about, God. Father, I hurt with those who are hurting And you hurt with them even more. 
And I'm so thankful and so grateful, God, that in your sovereign love, that you know the details of each storm of our life, that you know every single situation. And so, God, not only do I pray that you'll calm the storm as only you can do and as you often do, God, I pray that even if you don't calm the storm this morning, that your divine presence will bring a peace, that it will bring a comfort, that it will bring a healing that only you can bring. And it's in your presence, I pray this morning, that we will sense your purpose and that we will witness your power and that you will teach us something that we could not learn any other way. Holy Spirit, we pray this morning, God, that you will do a work in our hearts that only you can do. And it's in your name that we pray these things. Amen.